0: you're listening to the channel futures podcast I'm your host TC Doyle this is our first podcast for 2019 I'd like to thank you for tuning in in this episode we take a look at a disturbing phenomenon that occurred just as most industry insiders were stepping back for some much-needed downtime at the end of 2018 I'm talking about the latest cloud-hopper attacks on tech companies that was traced back to China What's particularly disturbing about the latest attacks is the fact that they target MSPs. Once thought to be a safe haven, MSPs are now a serious attack vector. For better understanding on the significance of this development, we turn to Aaron Faragin, Executive Vice President at Asigra, a Toronto-based developer of cloud backup and recovery services for public, private, and hybrid developments. Faragin walks us through the problem and provides some prescriptive advice to MSP companies. Trust me when I say it's worth listening to what he has to share. From new attacks on MSPs, we then shift to big opportunities for channel partners. In the second segment, we hear from two executives at PaxAid, Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing Nick Hetty and Chief Channel Officer Ryan Walsh. Hetty oversees marketing, field and digital sales and public relations, while Walsh, a member of the Channel Futures think tank, is responsible for the build-out of the PaxAid product portfolio and the development of the Pax8 Command Console. In this segment, they talk about opportunities for MSPs in 2019 and ongoing evolutions in the distribution space. As always, we have a lot packed into this episode. I hope you enjoy it. On the line with us is Aaron Faragin. He's the Executive Vice President at Asigra. Aaron, tell us what we need to know about the latest clown hopper attacks.
1: Yeah, the MSP uh, customers who we sell our software to, and they use it to, you know, deliver backup services downstream to their customers, have been pinging us and kind of um, uh, asking, you know, what they should do, or uh, if any of the partners. Now, I, I haven't heard from any partner that it's an a partner, but um, it's kind of uh, getting people to wake up. And now understand that the game has evolved and MSPs have kind of shifted from being kind of a, a safe haven or a perceived safe haven. You know, customers think, oh, you know what, let me work with a professional organization. They'll get, they've, um, they've got it down. They'll do a better job than I will. And that, that sense now has or that impression has now, I think, gotten to shift from MSPs are now an attack vector. In other words, if you want to go to lots and lots of customers and reach a lot of – you use MSPs as a proxy or as a conduit. So if you can hack the MSP. So it's gotten in the dialogue that we're having all day today with our MSPs and then you know, uh, on the phone, my voice is so hoarse, um, is you guys need to make sure your processes are in place and your customers are going to be coming to you and saying – What are your processes? Because my presumption as a customer was you guys have your stuff together and um, it feels like the MSP game is now, you know, moving from being a technology play where let me go work with an MSP because they're going to have the best technology and the best people always better than mine because managing backups or managing whatever else. You know, that was the premise of engaging with an MSP, they're going to do it better than I will as a customer, is now um, like a technology play is now shifting to being a process play. What, what What MSPs have the right processes in place to ensure that they and their customers don't get, like in this case, hacked? you know um i
0: love what you're saying because i think you're spot on and you know it as well as i do or not a million times better you're seeing it you're feeling it you're hearing from it first but this has been kind of a slow roll we've heard about this for the last 18 months but do you think would you characterize this latest hack from this team of uh, chinese hackers this is the real shot across the bow this is the wake-up call yeah,
1: yeah. this is the catalyst because Because they're reading it and they're seeing it and and, and they're reacting to it with us. So it just, we can sense, we can see just from their behavior and reactions that this is the catalyst. And holy smokes, Um, you know, I got to make sure my processes are in order because I'm almost anticipating in January, I'm going to be getting phone calls from customers saying, hey, you know, uh, what are you guys doing to make sure – you don't get hacked. Right, right. Or can you confirm that you weren't hacked and as a result, I was hacked as your customer? That's what's, you know, I've had four of them today that said to me, that's what's making us a bit nervous now and causing anxiety, that our customers are now going to ask us to confirm, uh, you know, that we weren't. And the fact that they're asking us that is a manifestation of their, you know, kind of doubt uh, and just kind of, I want to get confirmation. And even if they weren't, they now need to speak up on what their process is to make sure right, they're not going to. Right, gonna
0: Show that documentation, <laughs> show that, uh, you know. Yeah. And you and I, you know these guys as well as I do. Look, a lot of them are fantastic uh, business people and they're hardworking men and women, but masters of best practices down to the nth degree, we, we mm-hmm. know they've got techs on mm-hmm. their benches that are clicking on things they shouldn't be and Googling things. Oh, and, yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Where where would you say we are in the best practices? And then, you know, give a shout out to your own company. And where can you guys not just provide the technology, but obviously the best practices, the thought leadership, and help them out?
1: Yeah. So I think, um, you know, as it relates to our space, you know, and we have our space is one of the things that MSPs do, delivering a backup service. It's probably… You know, one of the most common types of backup, you know, backup services is one of the most common things that an MSP does for their customers. Cloud backup, Not necessarily and, with a yeah. secret, but with, yeah. with anyone. Cloud backup is like a, a thing that you do, like monitoring and backup and, you know. So, but I think that at the end of the day, the weak link is, I think that what people need to remember is that MSPs, like end customers, are run by humans and humans are fallible. And that's what it makes an MSP that's got better processes than another MSP or even an end customer that doesn't have as good processes. It's how much of it relies on the humans that work at the MSP to be um, alert and clever and uh, vigilant and how much of the process have you taken away from depending on the vigilant? There's always going to be an element. And I think the MSPs that have less dependence on the human, there's always going to be some dependence on human because humans run the shop at the end of the day. But the ones that have less have better processes. Yeah. So wh- what does that mean? Just in our space, because that's what I can speak to in our world um, in, in delivering a backup service, you want to make sure that your backup service um, doesn't get infected with malware that's a common thing now where malware or ransomware infects and deletes the backups and then sticks a gun in the customer in the msp's face and says pay up so you want to make sure that um you're preventing ransomware or malware from infecting your operational systems backup in our world but if you're monitoring your monitoring system as well and implement technologies and, and processes that do that in our in our case our technology has um, malware prevention uh, and detection and prevention in the backup stream and in the recovery stream to prevent malware from even getting in to the backup and the recovery streams so that's just a bit of the technical that's one piece of it another, uh, another take a second because that's
0: key so yeah, with your technology <clears throat> yeah. as i understand it it's almost impossible for me to create a corrupted uh, backup. So God forbid, I got to go back to that backup. You guys have already stripped that out for me. I- am I getting that wrong or am I overstating that?
1: Uh, yeah, no, almost. Yeah, you're getting it 90%, right? The pieces, um, that, that's the 10% is. The way the ransomware, the, mo- the advanced ransomware that happens today is the, the attack lands on, gets in somehow through the front door. Again, it's usually humans clicking on things they shouldn't. Um, but the attack lands on the customer's LAN, um, and the and the payload sits dormant for three to six months. And while it's dormant, it basically gets ingested, and it gets backed up, like other backup legitimate backup files. And then it gets into the backup stream, so now it sits in the MSP's backup repository, and even if the MSP is doing the 3-2-1 rule, three, three copies of your backups, two different media, one of them is air-gapped. The three to six months causes it to even end up in, in the air-gapped copy. And then it detonates, <clears throat> sticks a gun in the face, and then the, the MSP says, well, at least I got a backup. They go to their backup, at least they have one. It hasn't been deleted, that's great. But now them and their customer are doing a recovery and they're re-injecting that yeah. syringe right back in, into yep. their environment. So you want to prevent the ransomware from even getting in. And even if it's already gotten in undetected and it's infected, That air-gapped or non-air-gapped version, um, you want to make sure when you do the recovery that you have like a filter, you know what I mean? Like an ability to capture it so it doesn't get reinfected. And that's what these nefarious guys are doing now. And it creates what's called an attack loop because you don't know what day the virus got in. So you keep recovering from yesterday, the day before, and two weeks before, and two months before, and so on. Very hard to figure that out. That's why they do it. They're clever. They're equally clever as MSPs, you know, because they study the technologies. So... Yeah, that's why processes are super important. That's one piece of it. Another one is have two-factor authentication. One of the easiest ways of lifting and getting in is they, you know, they put keylogger tools or other kind of tools. So have biometric-based two-factor authentication, or even better yet, use password-less processes and technologies that enable passwordless processes. So Seagr has enabled that in our technology. That's another example. A third example, the hackers look to target specific backup systems. They look for backup systems once they get in with credentials that they've lifted somehow or stolen and they delete backups and then they pull the trigger and they detonate and so on. So one of the ways that the viruses have done this is they, they for well-known In our world, backup technology vendors, their repositories have very specific names, slash B-A-K, for example. So the virus says, look for slash B-A-K and delete it. So what you want to do is make a moving target. Have a process that implements a moving target. Change the names of your vaults so that a payload that comes in can't guess what you've called the vault this week or this month. Right. You know, like a revolving password. Same thing. Um. You know, that's another example of a process to mitigate the risk. Just make it easier to go pick on someone else. That's what you want. You You want them to just pick on someone else. So two last questions. So implement processes. Please, I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, no, implement processes to make make somebody else's house easier to rob, not yours, and your customers.
0: Um, What are we looking at six months hence? As you note, these guys, especially the – Chinese military guys, they're pretty smart guys. So how many MSPs have been impacted and that they really, for all their good efforts, won't know it because they don't they like the technology investments that they've made in threat detection or they don't have the best practices. But what are we looking at six months hence? What what is laying in the weeds for us?
1: Well, I think this will increase because they've seen this be successful. So the MSPs, the first question I asked the MSPs, were you one of the guys that they got hacked? I said, no, and that's what we're calling them. The second thing I ask is, well, look at your customer and portfolio and customer base. Do you have, like, types of customers that the Chinese or whoever government uh, would love to feast their eyes on? Don't forget this wasn't just American MSPs. This yep. was MSPs in Canada and in Finland and in Brazil and UK and lots of American allies, Germany, France, you know, all over the place. These are MSPs that got, you know, they got infiltrated. So, do you have the kinds of end customers that you think the Chinese government would be very happy to look at their stuff or are you, you know, working with Jim and Judy's you know, travel agency on some main streets and mostly SMBs at the yeah. Chinese government, or do you have government, government contractors, or do you, is, is the government one of your customers? You know, this kind of stuff. So look at your customer base and are they a likely target? Number one. Um, but I think six months out, this will happen more just cause they were, just cause we know about, I think it's 45 of them that they said that they got in. doesn't mean that it was only, it only they know about 45. There could be another 45. They haven't, you know, figured that out yet. Um, So, I think it will happen more. I think MSPs will, you know, uh, within the next six months, probably sooner, really, the responsible ones will really think about, uh oh, this is not just implementing technology that will do the job for me. I have to train my own MSP operators and engineers about the right best practices and the processes. I have to prove to my own end customers that I have these best practices and processes. There might even be some new certifications that come out about this, or the government might get into it. I don't know. Who knows? But I think um, – and I have to take out insurance. I think there are lots of MSPs. I also asked this question several times today. Have you got errors and emission insurance, and have you got cyber insurance, yeah. cyber, you know, cyber insurance policies? Answers? And and are they high enough? Do you have a million bucks? Maybe you should have three million bucks. You know, maybe spend an extra four thousand dollars a year on upping the policy limits in case you get whacked. So these are kind of things that are top of mind all day since this news broke um, that we're talking about today. When you asked help? those,
0: yeah, when you asked those questions, what were the responses you were getting back from the partners?
1: So you know, I think two of them told me no we don't have that we thought Jeez. because we have firewalls and we have astute security guys on our team we didn't get insurance i said no i said uh, you know get a policy um then the question is you know how much should that policy be and i said i don't know how much you know how much business are you doing if you're doing several millions of dollars a year in msp business then get you know one 1 to 2 million dollars if your business is twenty to thirty million dollars in MSP turnover, if your business is a hundred million dollars, you know, you just need to get an appropriate policy, talk to your insurance broker. Um, In terms of getting the best practices, I just think that, yeah, uh, the other conversations that we had today was, what can you do to help me develop the processes? And so Seagra has best practices and, you know, business processes that we, as part of our partner program, we call it Market Readiness Toolkit. And it's not just here's marketing collateral that you can put in for the customers. It's <clears throat> here's um, uh, really processes and capabilities within the technology that you need to make sure that you are testing, test more regularly. Don't just test recoveries once a year. Do it twice a year. In fact, use that as a marketing, as a way to differentiate. You know, a lot. One of the things that exists in the MSP world is what what we call this C of sameness, S-E-A, of sameness. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of MSPs, you look at their websites, you can remove the logos, remove the color and the pictures, and a lot of the content looks very similar. Customers don't see the difference. So use your better or best processes as a differentiator. If nothing else, it will force a potential new customer to go ask their incumbent MSP, what's your process? What are you doing to prevent malware infecting, you know, to achieve... GDPR compliance, if that's another thing, you know, how do you comply and what are your processes that comply with Article 6, 17, you know, 25, 32? Those are the ones relate to backup in our world. Um, Mm -hmm. Compliance. How can you, what processes do you have to ensure, you know, forgetting, uh, you know, the right to forget, the right to erasure, the right to be forgotten? Walk me through your process. You're going to need to include that as part of your sales cycles going forward. Uh, it's not just something that nobody looks at the manual if you even have one. So it's coming to the fore. Yeah. It's a it's a process play more and more than a technology play.
0: I wish you guys all the best and thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thanks. Take care.
0: From attacks on MSPs, let's turn our focus to distribution. In this segment we hear from PAX8's Nick Hetty and Ryan Walsh. First up, it's Nick Heddy. He's going to talk about the competitive marketplace, the year that was, and what we can expect from 2019. Midway through the conversation, we bring in Ryan Walsh. So here's Nick on the distribution landscape today.
2: We think that this distributor market, and we, we lovingly refer to the legacy guys as, as Initech Micro, uh, but we think that When we are talking cloud in the big picture, MSPs think about productivity, infrastructure, continuity, and security, of course, tools. And when I talk to um, the agent or the master agent side of the house, when they say they're having a great year in cloud, they're talking about connectivity, UCAS, SD-WAN. And when I ask them about, hey, where do you get your infrastructure from? Obviously this this is cloud also, Um, they oftentimes, name a carrier or a, a CLEC, and don't know the underlying products um, that they're actually selling underneath. And when I ask if they're getting traction in, in what I refer to as cloud, the, the PICS categories, productivity, infrastructure, continuity, security, um, they, they describe them very differently. But I think that these two paths to market are converging. And are going to converge even more. And I think you're going to see acquisitions in the master space, SD WAN space. Um, and I think that, uh, Lex are actually winning the battle against C Lex and you're going to see coax grow even bigger. Um, and so one of the, the charges that I am leading is to develop a, um, telco stacks or a master agent stacks so that we can go to market in both the, the, agents that I talk to um, at the channel partners shows are saying, you know, it's still, there's still some innovating to be done on this side of the house. And you're starting to see some great things from Talaris and Intellisys and Avant. Um, but there's still a lot of innovation that can be done. And so I'm really going to dive into that in 2019 and see if we can't also go to market as the pure cloud distributor and enable the agent side of the house to sell Microsoft is a, a great example.
0: Huh, that's interesting. Uh, you, you mentioned a couple of those companies. Talk a little bit about the competitive landscape and how do you guys differentiate yourself? You've teased on it a little bit, but drill down a little bit deeper for me.
2: Other cloud, I, I hate to call them cloud distributors, oftentimes it is a company that maybe had their own hosted exchange offering and is now acquiring and bundling in continuity and security services. And they are also calling themselves uh, cloud distributors. And so when it comes to legacy, I think the the key differentiation there is, is billing capabilities that is integrated into the tools that MSPs use. And so all the PSA platforms that are out there and you're seeing new and emerging ones who don't have to deal with um, their legacy business and having to evolve their platform to um, handle the distribution of hardware as well as cloud services. Is those things are, are two very, very different business models. Right. And so the fact that we are unburdened by that legacy allows us to innovate at a pace much faster than our competition. So I feel like we are able to, to maintain our competitive advantage in that legacy space because we don't have to worry about, well, can this platform also handle anniversary billing Um, in addition to consumption, monthly, annual, multi-year. So it it gives us an advantage there. I think when I talk about what people are calling cloud distributors, um, I think there's power in the brands that Pax8 represents. And so when you say a Microsoft or a WebRoot or a Datto, um, I think when talking to MSPs that those are all powerful brands in that space and they don't necessarily want one provider to go in and call all of those things their company's name plus backup. Um, and so I think that we can continue to win in that space with the power of those brands and not having to worry about um, the maintenance of those products and the updates and the patches. We can focus on the distribution of powerful brands. And then marketplaces, I think their go-to-market strategy is we will put things in this marketplace we will allow you to come and get them. But if you need help on setting them up, or if you need to know what two products go together well and are complementary, um, I can't advise you on that. You better know what you need and how to operate and manage it because this is just a marketplace where you come to get things.
0: When you look back at what you guys were able to accomplish, uh, what are you most proud of? What uh, surprised you most? And uh, or you know, what did you think was gonna happen that maybe didn't happen? So let's, let's, what surprised you the most over the, the year?
2: Yeah, I, I would just have to say it, it's, it's been our Microsoft growth. We were on a great pace to start the year, um, but it, it, it has just absolutely exploded. I've, I've been having conversations with the Microsoft team and we now represent 10% of the active CSPs in the US market. Um, and they did let us know for their Q1, their fiscal Q1, so July through September, um, that PAX 8 added more new tenants than any CSP2 in the U.S. Wow. So I thought that that was powerful when you look at that list. Um, it's an impressive one. And they are all companies that are in that $50 billion range. And for a little scrappy PAX 8 um, to... To go and take that, I think that is a, a great leading indicator of what the market wants. If
0: Microsoft was the big surprise, were there others as well?
2: Um, we are. So we we launched our Stacks tool on May the fourth. May the fourth be with you. Yep. And uh, we have Microsoft represented a a big portion of our monthly recurring revenue. New that was coming in, um, but. Being a one-trick pony could also expose you to some risk if you were only um, effective at selling one distributor. And so that was really the whole idea behind the Stacks concept is Microsoft is that Trojan horse. It's one of the fastest adopted SaaS products in history. Um, The ability to upsell, cross-sell, once you get that partner and customer transacting, um, is going to be key to your success. And last month, November, um, so six months into it, uh, 41% of our revenue came from products outside of, of Microsoft. So um, I think it's been impressive um, how, how receptive the market has been to this, this MSP tool that utilizes BI to guess what to sell next.
0: What does Stacks 2.0 or Stacks 2019 look like? What, what, how will it evolve? What new things will you be doing in that regard? And then we'll broaden the lens about the industry as a whole.
2: Um, so Stacks is already evolving. Uh, we just launched in November um, the next iteration, which is a, a module within Stacks and it is automated ABM or account-based marketing. And so <clears throat> Stacks is great. It, uh, MSP or partner can log in, click around, find gaps easily, and then design a campaign based on the collateral that is in there. And that is a strong tool. And um, our partners who moved from one category to two stacks categories grew 93% since launch um, through 1031, so through the end of October. Um, so it, it grew by almost 600 partners jumping into that next tier. Uh, but the next iteration is, well, Pax8, you have information on all 40,000 customers in your system and you can see we can see what those most common combinations are and so now we are designing um autopilot is using bi to design hey here's the most common combinations what should they buy next and it is bringing forward those customers so instead of saying hey partner you should really check out microsoft 365 business we're saying hey partner look below here are your customers who are greater than 25 seats, less than 300 seats, and are consuming a combination of ATP, DLP, which have just been rolled in. Here is how you can save $2 per a user and upgrade to the next package. And by the way, if you click this link, you can also participate and get your piece of the pie, the partner incentive engine from Microsoft. Um, and so that type of value, that type of automation, um, And we're just going to continue to build on it into the next year where we we have two live autopilots now, um, one that is doing dark web scans and bringing forward your customers that have been breached on the dark web. The other is a Microsoft Play showing you that upsell cross-sell motion. Um, But we envision autopilot being able to have 10, 15 different campaigns where we work closely with our vendors to build and articulate the value of based on what this customer is buying, they should get this next and bring those forward. So instead of an MSP or whoever within the sales organization trying to do that analysis on their own, we are bringing forward those, um, what should be an easier sales play to the partner. And the feedback has been incredible from the partner saying, wow, I would have had to click around in here for a while in order to get this and because we have a tight feedback loop with our partner community they are like they always say this is great i love it but if it could only do this right, 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 right. And because because we have two dev releases every single week um we're able to often turn around some of those projects in two weeks or less uh i'm gonna
0: ask nick first <laughs> and then uh, uh, uh mr walsh please weigh in um trends for 2019 let's take the small one let's take the the industry that we all work in the channel let's get a channel trend that you think is going to be a breakout trend and then we'll go industry one
2: yeah i think that the massive shift to the cloud that everyone is is starting to see and leading indicators are suggesting it's going to gain even more steam combined with the managed services shift i think market to market said that there's a 9.3 Kager on 180 billion, and by 2023 it's going to be 282 billion. I think that's I think that's really low. I I think that it could triple that, and I think the focus on security that is out in the marketplace today, the ability to upsell, cross sell onto Microsoft, um, we're betting big on it because we think that that's going to um, to. To be the big play the ability to easily layer security on top of the Microsoft Microsoft is a source for a lot of great um, threat intelligence feeds and your ability to use that data um, is going to help you to expand I think the days when we think about continuity the days of selling an appliance um, are are going to be falling to the wayside and I think people are going to start using um, infrastructure players like Azure Amazon Amazon is the clear leader in infrastructure as far as um hosted apps, but Azure is is closing that gap quickly because they own the email component of of almost all of the business to business clients in the marketplace. And so I think while the growth is impressive, I think it is going to be triple what analysts are saying.
0: All right. So Ryan back to you. Your thought for the big breakout trend.
3: Uh, whether it's a breakout, I see the niche shift pressure growing exponentially with all the attention that MSPs are getting. Um, I'm the, the dialogue it shows right now is, is different. And I think it's happening at a faster pace than, and I'm actually pleased to hear it because uh, competing in a generic sense, if you look at all the movement in our industry, it just, doesn't allow somebody who's got a generic value prop to win. And I'm seeing that pressure grow and I'm seeing the winners clearly taking advantage of that. And I anticipate a lot more of that in 2019, especially in light of all the M&A activity that's happening. It's gonna be harder and harder to compete if you don't own that specialty um, than it's ever been. And I think that's a good thing.
0: Very cool. Okay, so last question for you then. We'll, uh, Ryan White, you've got the floor. We'll start with you, and then we'll wrap up with Nick. Bigger, broader macro trend for 2019. Is this the year that there's a major security breach a la Citibank or something like that? Is it going to be AI finally takes root? IoT starts to kick in? I mean, think big, think wide. What's the bigger industry macro trend?
3: We've been watching the AI... IoT, and I'm I'm not feeling that in a sense that you know everyone is doing it. So I don't see that happening. But security, and I don't think this is um, I don't think it's surprising, but the opportunity within it and the the um, flavors of, of taking advantage of security coverage from a macro sense is um, is. Massive. Massive. And it it just from our view, if you, if we, if I look from a smaller view on that broader light, um, it's really cool because I'm, we're, we're, we're seeing signs of opportunity everywhere, uh, around this macro trend. And if you just take a look at, you know, the breaches that happened, um, you know, here at the end of the year, I, I mean, I'm really getting a sense that there's a numbness to, oh yeah, here's another one, that is gonna be felt. And that's gonna be felt in our industry and broader. And if you're not uh, looking at new ways to protect yourself and your customers, um, that trend is gonna, that that's gonna take some people out when it hasn't before. And and so I see that security trend is the one that's um, affecting the industry in in ways that, kind of like I described the data scientist role, It's like we don't even know, but the ones who are gonna win are gonna take the extra step to uh, to provide coverage for that, that broader threat. And it is absolutely not slowing down. You could take
0: us to a close. Uh, Nick, ahead. what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, you go ahead, Nick.
2: As, as quickly as I can, I think that this is gonna be the year you mean Microsoft dump tons of money into AI, BI, blockchain, IoT, I am hoping that this is the year that MSPs can start to um, actually generate revenue off of all these buzzwords that we've been hearing for five years.
0: That was Nick Hetty and Ryan Walsh of PAX 8. Well, we've come to the end of this edition of the Channel Futures podcast. Hey, if you'd like to be a guest on an upcoming episode or you've got a comment, drop me a line at thomas.doyle@informa.com. at For more episodes, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or check us out on SoundCloud. I'm your host, T.C. Doyle. As always, thanks for tuning in.